And Piper starts stomping on Jake the Snake while Flair's got the figure forward. <laughs> Heenan's like, it's not a skirt, it's a kilt. It's a kilt. Real men wear kilts. And then he turns around and he kicks Flair in the face. He goes, that no good, Piper. It's a skirt. It's not a kilt. It's a skirt. <laughs> everyone and welcome to another episode of the retro junkies presents winging it i i guess that's what we call it or just yeah. maybe it's winging it yeah I, I like the way you did it though it made it sound dignified <laughs> yeah we need all the help we can get eh the retro junkies present winging it <laughs> you should just you should do that from now on in the announcer voice yes yes <laughs> or you can do the vince mcmahon Oh, I can't, I can't, <laughs> I can't do it either, I can't. <laughs> Pronouns, pal. So guys, it is so, so good to be back. It's been about a year since you and I have actually recorded a Retro Chucky show together. It's been a long time, man. I know, we were we were uh, trying to pull that little uh, deal where we were never in the same place at once, kind of like Superman and uh, Clark Kent. <laughs> I was going to be Clark Kent. That's true, and that was, co- right, well, that sounds good, yeah, so long as I'm <laughs> Superman. Uh, well, you are Superman. No, you are big guy. No way, you're bigger. But they were the same size. This is true. But he did have a deeper voice when he was Superman, at least in the radio serials. Yes, he did. Anyways, uh, so, you know, what was I getting at? I don't even remember what I was trying to say. Oh, okay. So uh, it's been a long time, and, and it was funny because on Genesis Gems, I swear we never meant to do this, but any time that I can make the Genesis Gems shows, poor Landon couldn't, and every time he could make it, I couldn't. So it was like, you know, we just never could get our schedules in sync. So it's it's really nice to to be back. It's really nice to to talk to you again, man. It's it's been a long time. It's it's been a long time since we've done a retro junkie show. We're in the process of switching feeds right now, um, just because I like the Podomatic interface a little bit better. So we're, we're switching things from Blueberry dot uh, com to Podomatic right now. And we're hoping – I don't know if we can do more than maybe one or two episodes a month, but we're hoping to try to be uh, a little bit more consistent, try to be back and, and stick around for a little while just for the simple fact that we love to talk. You know, Lan and I are – We do. You know, for those of you who are no strangers to the show, you already know this. We're, we're really good friends. But those of you who might be listening to us for the first time on this new feed, we grew up together pretty much. We're just – you know, we've been lifelong best friends and – uh I won't go through the whole backstory right now because I don't want to bore anybody. But if you want that backstory, there's an episode with that. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Landon. Hey, very good. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, see what I did there? It's in the archives, yeah. So check that out, guys. Um, but bottom line is the format of our show, most of the time we do – we call it winging it. We call it that for a couple of reasons because literally we would go out and eat it, wings at one of our favorite places in western North Carolina – and we would just talk about random stuff. And usually it was stuff, you know, video games, comics, movies, uh, just, just whatever. Anything retro that we could think of. And we always thought, man, that'd be a cool idea for a show. Just just no script, no notes. Just go out there and just wing it. And, and you know, so hopefully you guys will overlook our shortcomings and our yeah. lack of knowledge. But that, that was kind of the fun of it. We just want to improv, you know, and, you know, no stress whatsoever. Because with a podcast, for those of you who are, you know, co-hosts of a podcast there's a lot of prep that can be uh involved there's a lot of editing that can be involved um a lot of uh, note taking that can be involved and really we just want to have fun and just shoot the breeze like we always did and that's what the show is all about so 
If you're expecting, you know, experts on a subject, if you're expecting an encyclopedic knowledge, this show probably isn't for you. <laughs> we can act like we have encyclopedic knowledge, though. Yes, absolutely. We'll just, you know, type up our Google machine and find the information for you. <laughs> uh, but honestly, it, it's just one of those things where we want to just shoot the breeze and have fun. And there's there's a show that I think of that encapsulates that kind of the same kind of vibe. But they probably know more than we do. And that's a show uh, I want to give a shout out to my buddy Sean from Nerdy Thursday. Uh, they do the same thing that we do pretty much, uh, where they just two best friends that just talk about whatever is on the top of their minds. And today, that's what we're going to do. We're, we're talking about uh, a legend, all right? And uh, we'll get mm-hmm. there. But uh, um, Hoser, man, what have yeah. you been up to for the last year? It's been so long since I've actually oh, talked gosh. to you on a podcast. Oh, last year. Let's see. Um, between working on my house and doing maintenance on that and you you've joined that club here recently and oh yes <laughs> uh between that and work and having a kid it's it's been kind of busy but i found time to, to kind of get into some games and comics and things like that um one of the one of the things that i've, I've been getting into and well getting back into i guess i should say is the uh the world of star wars with all the movies and all the new oh nice you know uh, toys and comics and stories and everything. Been doing that with uh, with our friend Jameson Stout over at a uh, Star Wars Ties. So we've been doing that. He's the man. He he is. He's the man. He's the he's the Star Wars expanded universe man. <laughs> he is. He's an expanded man. But he's, he's skinny. He's he's tiny, but he's an expanded man. And anyway, that's right. <laughs> expanded. <laughs> oh, I'm not going to be able to get through this without laughing today. Um, been playing a lot of computer games i played a game for the first time the other day and it's one of your favorites rob and i see why it's one of your favorites and i'm dying to get it now oh i played ninja golf for the first time the other day oh that's a classic <laughs> Dude, that game is so much fun <laughs> nice nice i forgot do you, do you have a 7800 i don't have a 7800 what had happened is um down at the well it's no longer the retro gamer they've changed their name to the mr robot shop uh, our friends rob and kelly in, uh, really? Yeah, I didn't Kenton. know that. Yeah, yeah, they've uh, dude, they've expanded that place. Uh, like what all they carry in some display cases. They've got a lot of really nice games, a lot of Turbo Graphics games in there now, like hard to find wow. ones in Turbo CD. Um, but they have Raspberry Pi consoles oh, now. Oh, cool! And they've got you know three different levels. They've got one that's just kind of got your uh, NES, SNES, Genesis, uh, Master System, just you know, kind of the more popular consoles in America. Then they've got another tier that is the first tier, but it also has uh, some Atari, some of the Atari computer consoles, a lot of lot of really cool games on that. And then they have one called the Kitchen Sink, and it has every console like ever made on it, plus some MS DOS games. Oh my goodness! Is it like a system you hook up to your TV? Or? It's just a little like you. Uh, you remember when we went to the uh, to the comic convention and they had the little arcade cabinet with the pie in it, the retro pie? Oh yeah, the mini cab. Yeah. yeah, it's just like that. It's just the guts of that, but you uh, can hook it to like a high def TV, HDMI uh, TV, and you can just hook a, a USB controller into it, and man, it it it's ready to play. Wow! Wow! That that's pretty cool. But yeah, they've. Uh, They've got the the big one has like Mame and it has a ton of arcade games, ton of Neo Geo, ton of Capcom, 
7800, some kind of obscure computers over here, like the NSX. Uh, mm-hmm. That was a computer that was out in Japan, and Konami really pushed that, and there's some really good Konami games on that. Nice, man. Well, hey, I'm, you, you've got more retro gaming in than I have. <laughs> what a hoser. Uh, don't say that. <laughs> I, that was just one day. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, I've not done a whole lot in the last year. Uh, well, why? Well, that was kind of a dumb thing to say. I've done a lot of stuff, but not done a whole lot of retro stuff uh, in the last year. Well, um, it, you know, since the last time you and I recorded on this show, golly, a lot has happened. Um, my son, he's almost two years old now, wow. so I've been chasing him around. And uh, let's see, uh, we did move. We we finally own a house. We're we're proud homeowners here in Knoxville now. We live in North Knoxville, and. Got a little fenced-in yard for the little man to run around in. And, uh, and you know, just just getting kind of used to, you know, the home life. And I, I love it so much more because we're saving about $300 a month in rent. You know, nice. just owning a place. Owning a place that's ours. So that's been nice. And I've got my game room all set up. I've got my Vectrex to my left. I've got a Macho Man Michelangelo right on top of the Vectrex. That's like the best of both worlds that's pretty there. cool. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And we're going to be talking about a lot of wrestling today. A lot of great stuff. Um, but, you know, uh, to keep moving further here around the game room, I've got a uh, HGTV. I've got my PS2, my ColecoVision, and my PS4 and, and surround sound system hooked up to it. And then I've got another standard def TV, an old 27-incher. Uh, and I've got my Genesis, my Intellivision, 7800, uh, NES, and SNES hooked up on it. I can't. I just don't have enough room to hook up all my other systems. That's my problem. You've got too many systems. I know, and I, too little time. And you need to give them to me. Take off. No way. Oh, you're gonna give you're them not, to me. You're not getting to think. Get out of here. You got plenty. I don't. I don't have anything. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll do a trade for you. I'll, I noticed you had some of those 2003 turtle figures. Um, I'll, I'll trade for you. Oh. I'll tell you what. I will give you. I will give you videomation for the NES for all four of those. Eh. <sighs> Man, you drive a hard bargain. I don't know. I'll have to think about that. That's a good one. It's videomation. I mean, it's pictures it's got tiger on, on your TV. <laughs> oh, well, so, uh, um, so, so as far as pickups, man, I wouldn't even begin to, to know where to start. Bottom line is, though, um, I have watched a lot of wrestling lately, and uh, that definitely deals with our, our topic for today. And I guess I should have probably said this at the beginning of the show. I'm rusty, eh? Hey, uh, you get back in the swing of things. Uh, yeah, we're, we're, yeah, I feel like we've picked up where we left off, which is right at the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> hey, you know, so you can only go up from here. Uh-huh, that's true. Uh, so today we're talking about um, – Landon actually pitched the idea first, and I, I thought it was a great idea because um, – we're both wrestling fans and both very, very big fans of this individual. Today we're talking about the brain, the weasel, Mr. Bobby Heenan, legendary commentator, legendary wrestler, legendary manager. I mean, the, probably the greatest manager and commentator of all time in our humble opinions. I agree. Yes. Uh, I can't think of anybody who tops him, although I can think of somebody that's right on par with him, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Oh, yeah. I'll give you a hint. I'll give you a hint. Bananas. Bananas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's your hint for the day. Uh, so today we're talking about, uh, Bobby Heenan, but before we do that, Hosehead, yeah. I'm getting a little hungry. You want to get some wings? Let's do it. All right. You know what? I wonder how old Stan's doing. I wonder if business is still good for him. Uh, I don't know. I, I heard after we left, business kind of, kind of went downhill. It picked up. <laughs> it picked up. <laughs> <laughs> right, get those, uh, get those losers out of here. They don't ever buy anything. 
Yeah, well, wait, wait, we surprised him today, eh? All right. All right, let's get out of here. From Beverly Hills, California. Everybody knows I'm gorgeous, pretty, beautiful, whatever you want to call me. Bobby the Brain Keenan. What's Gretzky's number? 99. What's your Check number? that out. Oh, number one. You know, I'm the kind of a man that doesn't like to be made a fool of. Now, interview me. Okay, Bobby Heenan. You know what I was thinking before you... Oh, I'm sorry. You were going to say something. What is this, the Weasel Open? Oh, it's not the Weasel Open. This is the proper attire when you play golf in Beverly Hills. The suit has claws and everything. This is a, very much a, a replica of a Weasel. Wait, just hit the hands. Yeah, come, on. The hands. come on. Come oh. on. Those are nice feathers. That's a boa? It's a little ragged now, but I'll well, get it. So are you, one. so what's the difference? Right? <laughs> I'm Gorilla Monson along with Bobby the Brain Heenan, and as you can see, we're here. Wait, 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 wait. let me tell them where we're at. Oh, all right. We're sitting by my, in my palatial estate in Beverly Hills. We are poolside. Where, where's the thing that shows how far you went or how... It's broke. Don't worry about it. I'm keeping it in my mind. So far, it says you haven't gone anywhere. I got it right here. Smell the cake. Go ahead, smell it. Oh, well, there's fine to me. Oh, right there. Hello, Jack. Where are you going? I'm getting the hell out of here. <laughs> Will you stop? You have a rifle. Will you stop? Just wait a minute. We're on the area. What is that? Cash. Oh, you're loaded. You got about $3 in there again. Nice. Come on, Barry. A little harder. Come on, kick it in high gear. Hey. Back off a little bit. I'm a gentleman. I'm Bobby the Brain Heenan. Regardless of what these humanoids have to say about Weasel. Hi, Bobby. Hi, Bobby. Hi, Bobby. Ah, ah. Hi, Bobby. Bobby. You know the rules. Mr. Heenan. That's right. Wait, wait a minute. Bobby Heenan. We're on the air. We're... I know. It's a family show. I know. I picked Booger to win. These two guys. You know, these two guys, I'll tell you something about Jeez. Bundy and stuff. What? I would like to challenge you, Hogan, at any time, any place. If I'm Uncle Morty Thompson, he needs me inside. I, I, I got to I go now. I think we ran into your inside. wife earlier. Uh, you listen to me, you go to the top. Oh, all right, Hosehead. Hey, Stan, how you doing, Hosehead? Yeah, what do you want? I thought I got rid of you two losers. No way, man. No way. We're hungry. Want some wings, eh? Ah, you get whatever I cook you. Oh, geez. Why are you uh, being such a jerk? It's yeah, man. Too. Come on, Stan. We've, we've not been here in a year. Surely the food's gotten better by then. Ah, not really. We found a <laughs> health inspection. They said I was using too much cockroach meat in the wings. <laughs> well, hey, a sixty—you know—a sixty percent score. That's not too bad. You're above fifty percent, man. If this was major, yeah, you'd have a good batting average. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> Two out of three ain't bad. <laughs> Get out of here with that meatloaf crap, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, Hosehead, So, uh, you know, as we talk about Mr. Bobby Heenan, the the, the late great Mr. Bobby Heenan, I mean, what kind of wings you want to have today? Uh in honor of Bobby, Bobby Heenan, I'm going to have the Beverly Hills 
Uh, <laughs> oh gosh. Well, let's thank goodness for post editing because I totally blanked on what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I might uh, I might do a little uh, bananas on my pizza in Ooh. tribute to the late Gorilla Monsoon. And uh, gosh, what would Bobby Heenan eat? Bobby Heenan would eat the finest caviar from Beverly Hills because ah, he was yes. rich, he was powerful. He apparently had a house that looked like Caesar's Palace in Las Vegas. <laughs> I love that. He's like, let me introduce the show. He's like, welcome to my house. He's like, this is not your house. <laughs> He's like, well, it's kind of like my house. My house is bigger, though. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, did, uh, you know, I think I said bananas on my pizza. I apologize for that. I just got off of Turtle Flakes. I meant bananas on my wings, eh? <laughs> I, I thought you were just going to have a pizza and wings. I'm like, man, he's going Oh, wow, that sounds good. Well, it is Saturday, and it's early, and I've got plenty of time for everything to process. So, yeah, yeah, I'll do pizza and wings. So I'll do a banana pizza and some caviar wings. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. But classy at the same time. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, kind of kind of a little bit of surf and turf, but not really. Well, all right, man. So, dude, let's just go ahead and freestyle it. You got um, it. Uh, I guess we should start. We'll start off with the you know the sad note is that uh, Bobby Heenan unfortunately passed away this week. Um, was it was it uh, last Sunday? It was last Sunday Landon? the seventeenth. Sunday, September seventeenth of two thousand seventeen, and in a way, I'm I'm actually I'm happy he's not suffering anymore because yeah. I know toward the end that his throat cancer had gotten so severe that they had removed part of his jaw, and. Um, you know, he can no longer speak. It seems like some kind of tragic irony that here is a guy that was so well-known for his his wit and everything, um, and yet he had loses the ability to speak. I was kind of like you. I was really shocked. I'm like, mm, no, this isn't good. This is horrible. And then I got to think, I'm like, well, he's been suffering from throat cancer since the early 2000s. Yeah. You know, uh I actually watched a documentary on him, and he said, you know, he kind of noticed that his throat was scratchy and his food was tasting metallic. And hmm. they, he went to the doctor, and they told him, you know, you've got really advanced throat cancer. And, you know, they had to take his jaw to to help keep it from spreading. And, you know, that was, if you've ever watched Bobby the Brain, that is one of the things that he is known for is his mouth and oh, his yeah. wit. Yes. And it It's like you said, it's a tragic irony that one of the things that made him so famous was taken away from him. Yeah, I know, I know. He lived to, was he 73 years old when he died? 73? He was 72. He was he a was couple of weeks. He was born November 1st. So he was a couple of weeks from his 73rd birthday. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, well, like I said, you know, I'm just, I'm happy that he's not suffering anymore, you know? But man, Bobby Heenan, so many laughs. Oh my goodness, this man was one of the funniest guys he was one of those those heels that you loved to hate, and sometimes it was real hate, oh, yeah. and sometimes it was just like I can't believe he just said that. That's hilarious, you know. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, man, uh, you want to talk about like some of his early career stuff before we get into you know what I think most people know him for? Sure. Um, so he was born uh, November first of nineteen forty four, born in Chicago. His mom. This is kind of how he got into the business. His mom was a hotel manager. Mm-hmm. And back in the 40s, you know, a hotel was kind of more of an apartment. And he, uh, his mother rented out to uh, Liberace's mother and brother. Oh, wow. They lived, they, they lived there. So he, he kind of knew Liberace's family. And he would go to the uh, Cubs games. And, you know, six, seven years old, he'd go to the Cubs games. And uh, 
wait for him to hit a home run over the fence, and he would, you know, get the ball and ride on his bike. So he had, you know, he was a big baseball fan growing up. And about, oh, sixth or seventh grade age, his, uh, he quit school. His family had moved to Indiana. Uh, his mom, his mom's sister had died. And uh, Bobby and his mom and his grandmother moved to Indiana and moved into her house. And uh, he got a job working at the local, like, Civic Center, Civic Center Coliseum, mm-hmm. uh, setting up, uh, being a stagehand, you know, setting up for basketball games and concerts and things like that. And it's through that that he got into the business because when the wrestlers would come through, you know, he was on the ring crew, setting up the rings, taking jackets, making the show run. And he would go back there and talk to those guys. And it was just by talking to a lot of the guys in the business, they're like, wow, this guy, he's got a mouth on him. Let's go ahead and and see if he can back that up. And, you know, that's kind of how he got started. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, And, and, uh, he, uh, he was in the AWA for quite some time, and that's that's where he really started to get the, the the gimmick that he had, which was the weasel is the perfect gimmick for him because he was a weasel. I mean, he just would weasel his way out of everything. He was so quick witted, and we're going to talk about. I wrote down some of my favorite quotes and some of my favorite moments from him. But yeah, he he was a wrestler first, but even when he was still healthy enough and able enough to wrestle. And, you know, he could still, even in his older age, he could still take bumps really well. Oh, but, yeah. But, uh, you know, in the late 60s, early 70s, most of the time he managed, which was kind of unheard of. Here's you got a young guy that's mainly managing. He's not doing a lot of wrestling. He, he's done some, but not a whole yeah. lot. Not a whole lot. And that's all a testament to his quick wit and the fact that he can make the fans hate him and make everyone look good and you know one thing i really really enjoyed is he wrote his own um biography autobiography uh in the early 2000s called bobby the brain and boy i've got a lot of things i'm going to try to read out of this you know just some quick lines you know great great quotes great stories of all the folks he managed but the whole vibe you get from the entire book is his main priority was to make everyone else look good and i think he succeeded and in turn that made him look good Oh yeah, he. Uh, I mean, he's. And we will get into this probably a little bit later. But he was one of the only managers that I know of who had somebody try to kill him in the middle of a match. Yeah, you were saying that about the uh, late sixties, early seventies. You know, he'd been in the business a few years, and he had got some folks riled up apparently at one of the uh, at one of the shows. And a guy brought a revolver <laughs> in and shot at him five times. Oh my gosh! Now that's real heat, and guys. It, <laughs> It missed him every time and hit a bunch of people in the crowd. It didn't kill anybody, oh, thankfully, thank but it uh, it seriously injured some folks who were at the show watching. But, yeah, he's one of the few guys who's ever been, like, legitimately shot at in the middle of his match. That reminds me of Piper. Yeah, there's some stories about him. You know, he'd been stabbed. I mean, he there's been lots of times he, he just barely escaped, you know, death uh, because the fans legitimately thought it was real. They did. And and I'll t- I'm going to tell you something. I'm trying to find Paige, but Bobby Heenan, it's at the very beginning of the book. He talks about how the gig is up. like this, And I'm guessing this is around 2002, 2003, maybe, maybe a little earlier, mm-hmm. around 2001. Oh, I wish I could find it. But basically, there was a, a point in time early in the book where he says, fans already know all the tricks. Wrestling is dead now. I mean, he didn't say it in those terms. But it was close mm-hmm. to that. That wrestling, it'll never be as good as it was before. 
because fans know now all the tricks. They know that all the heels are not really heels in real life. They know all this stuff. Kayfabe is kind of gone by the wayside. Now, I thought that was an interesting quote because he was in the business for, what, 40 years? Yeah, he 40 was. 40 years. Yeah, he retired in 2000. Which is incredible to me. But, man, I I don't know about that. What do you, what do you think? Do you think wrestling is never going to be like it used to be? I don't I don't think it will because everybody knows the tricks, you know, they and I've I've listened to a few other, you know, podcasts and guys who have been in the wrestling business talk about how you know that you can't buy into the feuds as being legitimate when you see the guys like after the show at the Waffle House, you know, having a yes. cup of coffee and eating dinner and, you know, being being friendly with each other or posting pictures online of, you know, them at a like going on vacation somewhere together, you know, mm-hmm. it, it never happened in the old days. And, you know, the promoters were really strict about, all right, good guys, you hang out with the good guys, bad guys, you hang out with the bad guys. You never meet each other in public. You know, if the bad guys come in and see the good guys eating in a restaurant, you guys don't say anything. Just turn around, walk out and go somewhere else. I, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because that reminds me of a story. Um, Jim Duggan told on, I think, one podcast I heard. He was getting pushed really heavily in the 80s, right? And he had this huge, yeah. huge feud with uh, the Iron Sheik, you know, which yeah. is a notorious heel. Probably a heel in real life, too. <laughs> but Whatever. He's awesome. Uh, he's an angry man. I'll so, make you humble. <laughs> break your back, too. <laughs> That's right. So um, I think what had happened was that, that rule that you mentioned, you know, heels hang out with heels, faces hang out with faces. You don't want to be seen in public being friends because that kind of takes away from the whole show. And I get yep. that, that you're basically in character, even in your personal life, which is crazy to think about. But that's what a lot of these guys in these territories and in the early WF days did. So one day, Duggan's, uh, he's driving the driving his car or something like that. And um, or they were, they were on the road going somewhere. And for some reason, the Iron Sheik couldn't get a ride. And so he rides with Duggan. Now, this is a big time no-no. And Duggan even said that. He's like, I didn't, I knew I shouldn't have done it. I knew I was breaking the rules here, but I gave him a ride because he was desperate and we had to make a show. So he, Duggan claims he didn't know this, but the Iron Sheik had some pot. I forget what it was. Yeah. Um, and uh, somehow they get pulled over. The cop goes to search him, and they find dope in the Iron Sheik's one of his suitcases or bags, whatever. And they get in some legal trouble. And Vince calls Duggan, and, and I think he says, like, what have you done to me? And I don't think it's the fact that they had gotten uh, arrested because of the drugs. They had gotten arrested together that yeah. really hurt the business. You know what I'm saying? Like they were traveling together and everybody knew it. it, it times are so different now. Now, I, don't, I still think wrestling's huge, but I yeah. think it's huge for different reasons. I think people are just – they know it's pretend, but they can't help but watch anyway. I mean, that's us. I mean, we yeah, know. Yeah, that's us, yeah. Yeah, and it, it doesn't take away from any of the athletes nowadays. I mean, wrestling is still very real in, in, in that people get physically hurt. It is a physically demanding job. It is a testament to the athletes that are in the ring and the storytelling. So wrestling's still entertaining. So and in part, I disagree with Bobby Heenan, but who am I? I'm just a fan. <laughs> but, uh, but in a lot of ways, I also agree that kayfabe, you know, that whole notion that, you know, this stuff's real. Yeah, that, that era is gone, you know, and I don't think it'll ever return. That was, you know, that was a big selling point, too. I know uh, locally here around the Asheville, North Carolina area, 
my dad would, you know, he said they would load up and go to the matches, you know, when they would come through town, the NWA on Saturdays, and said, you know, they would do a noon to like three o'clock show and then a four o'clock to like six o'clock show. So they would do like a double shot there in Asheville at the Civic Center. Yeah. And he said that he'll never forget one time there was these little old ladies sitting on the front row. And <laughs> like where Rick, this is going. Ric Flair came out and said they were booing and throwing stuff and said one of those ladies reached in her purse and took out a brick and like hit Flair in the shoulder with it. <laughs> and then the other one reached in and had like another like little sack in her purse and threw it up there and there was a snake in there, like a copperhead. What? And threw it in the ring and said the referee like, you know, got a stick and just like knocked the snake out and told the security to get it out of there and <laughs> I mean, it was, baby it was crazy. And, and it was crazy because they hated Flair that much. They wanted to le- legitimately kill him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's 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 exactly uh, where that was the time period that Bobby Heenan was in. And no one could draw heat like Bobby Heenan. I mean, no. I swear. So let's talk about some of the some of the things he's done. Like um, in the AWA, based on what I remember in the book. So he was in the AWA from the late 60s until I'm guessing around the late 70s, maybe even longer. Yep, he was with the AWA until about 84, and that's when he jumped over to uh, World Wrestling Federation. Okay, so yeah, he was in there for a while. Um, But yeah, he managed a lot of different people. Uh, Nick Bockwinkle, Blackjack Lanza, and Bobby Duncan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think Duncan, I think. Ray Stevens. Um, Yes, Ray Stevens. And then that's where he got, he was coined the the weasel. The whole weasel gimmick started in his time in AWA. Mm-hmm. And um, th- this guy named Greg Gagne, there was a, there was even a match, and whoever was going to lose that match would have to put on the weasel suit. So you know, he and he he's got he talks the talk, <laughs> but uh, you know he does not it does not fare well for him in the match. He loses, and they literally have a suit they put on. Well, actually, they, he was fighting it. He was fighting. He yeah. didn't want to put the suit on. So uh, uh, Greg Gagne he puts him in a sleeper hold real quick, knocks him out. And then he puts a suit on him. And by the time he finally comes to, he's squirming around the ring and everything. <laughs> uh, and the fans are going nuts. I mean, I love uh, – I just love old school fans because that place erupted when they saw him with the costume on. Have you ever and, seen that match? Like, yeah, the, yeah, I have. It, the end of it? Oh, that's so good. Like you said, the crowd, like they start jumping up and yes. cheering and get in front of like the camera. So like the cameramen are having a hard time trying to get the <laughs> shot without having fans get in the way. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, it's, and it was so funny. It's kind of like what you said. A lot of these fans were women and they're going crazy, you know, just seeing this weasel in his weasel costume. But I forget who started the whole weasel thing. I th- it was a different wrestler. I think it was the Crusher. It may have been. It may have been. Uh, yeah. The Crusher, I can't remember. Yeah, I think from what I remember in the book, it was something like the Crusher was doing some kind of promo, and he was trying to sell these cards or something for AW. I can't remember what it was, but he had mentioned like he kept seeing like Pop Goes the Weasel, referring to uh, Bobby Heenan always mm-hmm. magically showing up or magically getting away, and then that's where the whole Weasel gimmick started, and then that that, that match, and then eventually jumping forward into the nineties. They would ha- re reenact that match with uh, the Ultimate Warrior putting the weasel costume on uh, poor Bobby. And he, he portrayed that so well. You know, they put him to sleep and they've, oh, got, yeah. they got, they've got the suit on him. And he's just like, you know, kind of dead weight. Just kind of, you know, they're having to legitimately like kind of, you know, muscle him around to get into the suit. And Ganya gets over him and kind of slaps him across the face real hard. And he kind of it shakes him and he wakes up and he yawns real big and he looks around. And he he's looks like, at huh, it. What? 
he looks at his hand and his eyes kind of get real big and then he looks at his other hand and you know he's got the weasel paws on and he starts looking around and everybody's cheering and he starts chasing the tail and trying to get out of it and like slipping and falling and oh, oh it's, it's great. great he really sells it i i, I mean and, and he just he knew psychology inside and outside the ring oh my goodness he was smart so you know eventually like you said he he gets into the WWF and um you know, this this is the era I really, really want to talk about because this is stuff I actually remember Yes. Um, as a kid. Man, how do you want to go about this? Do you want to talk about favorite memories or is there more history you want to talk about? I mean, uh, you tell me. I mean, really when he got to WWF, he was like all of his managing stuff was on TV. I mean, we could talk about whatever you want to do, man. Yeah, well, um, I, let's talk about some of the folks he managed. Yeah. Um, he, he managed King Kong Bundy. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Was that during WrestleMania two? I think it was during WrestleMania too. Okay, yeah. So he managed King Kong Bundy. I remember that. He managed uh, Big John Stud. Big John Stud, uh, who, who in his book he said was the nicest guy in the world. They said he had nothing but nice things to say about Big John Stud. I saw an interview he did about John Stud, and he said that he was too nice to be in wrestling. He said that man is That's too what nice he said, to be yeah. in wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, as a matter of fact, yeah, you had showed me this hour-long interview. It's on YouTube. Just search up. I think it's like Bobby Heenan shoot interview 2001 or something yeah. like that. Right around the same time that he wrote this book. And a lot of the things he mentions in the interview are in the book in a little bit more detail. But, boy, what a great interview. Go search it up if you've not seen it. He throws some dirt in the book, but he also tells some great stories in the book. Like, um, uh, of course, he managed probably his, his I, I dare say, probably the biggest profile wrestler, Andre, oh, uh, yeah. the the mid-'80s. Of course, during the whole WrestleMania 3 feud, probably the most popular WrestleMania of all time, um, in my humble opinion. But... He was telling some funny Andre stories. My goodness. And and uh, let's see. I have one bookmarked here. I just wanted to read a real quick part of it. Um, I got one after oh. you got this one if it's not the same story. Oh, go ahead. Why don't you tell yours first so I can one of the One of the stories he was talking about was when he was managing Andre. And it was when Andre was having a feud with the Ultimate Warrior. And he, uh, he said, you know, that Andre kind of took it upon himself to, uh, to put the Ultimate Warrior in his place. You know, kind of show him, hey, you know, you need to calm down, chill out, quit quit being so fired up all the time or you're going to hurt somebody. Yeah. So Heenan said, you know, uh, Andre and him were having a match, and he said, you know how Warrior would do, like, the clothesline where he would just run full speed and hit somebody? Mm-hmm. He said Andre had a favorite spot where he would be about a foot from the ropes and let the guy clothesline him, and then he would get tangled up in the ropes and couldn't get out. That was like, oh yeah. He said that was one of Andre's favorites because you know Andre could do it and it wasn't real painful to him. And uh, so he said the Warrior runs one night, you know, full head of steam, hits Andre as hard as he can. And he said, you know, Andre didn't care. He said Andre liked it when guys would just lay into him sometimes. And said he just looked at Heenan and went, hmm. <laughs> so he said the next night, same thing. They do the same spot. Warrior runs at him, full head of steam. Hits him, clotheslines him. Andre kind of staggers back, and he looks at Heenan and goes, huh, again. He said the <laughs> next night, doing the same thing, Warrior comes off the ropes, is running full speed, and Andre sticks his fist up. <laughs> and he said, you know, he said Andre the Giant's fist was literally like two and a half to three feet across. <laughs> so he said it was the size of Warrior's face and said he hits Warrior square in the nose. Oh, man. And he said flicks of like face paint like come off the warrior his eyes swell up 
and said that, uh, you know, the next night they're doing that same spot. He said the warrior comes off the ropes easy, doesn't run, <laughs> run full speed and hits him. And when Andre's tied up in the ropes, he looks at Heenan and says, he's learning. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good story. Yeah. yeah. That, that's so true because no joke. The Warrior was a huge man. I mean, he was as big as Hogan, I mean, I think. Oh, yeah. A strong, strong man. And that just shows you how tough Andre was. He could knock him out in one punch if he had to. But, you know, Andre was a big believer in, hey, you gotta, you got to know what you're doing in the ring. Yeah. Slow down. And speaking of Andre, I did find it. This is right around the same time. I'm guessing probably around WrestleMania three. I'll just read these couple paragraphs here real quick. It says, uh, one day... Andre had maybe seven or eight double or triple vodkas at the airport waiting to board the 7 a.m. flight. It's at 7 in the morning. Uh, after finishing as usual, he got on the plane. Immediately, he started pulling up the armrest in first class to give himself more room. The flight attendant walked up and asked him, Sir, can I get you anything? Er, uh, yeah, screwdriver. <laughs> Good Andre on, said, Yeah, he says, uh, screwdriver, said Andre. He finally, he finally pulled the armrest up and sat down. The flight attendant came back and handed him a screwdriver, an actual screwdriver, a, st- a Stanley screwdriver. I've heard the story. Yeah, and then it says Andre looked at the screwdriver and then at her and said, what would you have brought me if I said Bloody Mary? And so <laughs> I'm like, that's just funny. That's funny. He, so he had a wonderful, wonderful sense of humor. And, uh, you know, they all called him boss. He was the boss. Um, he, he was uh, one of the pillars in uh in the WWF at the time, and, of course, the weasel was managing him. And oh, just yes. what a pairing. What a pairing. And, of course, you know, you got the whole Piper's Pit uh, scene with Hogan and Heenan and Roddy and Hogan, and Hogan's begging Andre, looking up at him, terrified, begging him not to listen to Heenan. You know, so it's just a great, iconic moment. Don't do it, brother! Story. Don't do it, man! <laughs> Come on, man, no way! Out of the question, man! I don't know why I sounded so We're friends, funny. brother! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, did you so, uh, did you know who else was in that that I didn't know until I went back and watched that segment? Who Jesse the Body? That's right. Yeah, he's he comes out. He comes out first. Kind of he him and Piper have a real good back and forth with each other, and yes. then Hogan comes out, and then you know the Body's kind of having it with Hogan and Piper, and then Andre and Heenan come out, and then it's just like holy geez, yeah, that's a lot of talent star right power. There. Yes, the star power there. So uh, another person he managed, and I, I mean, I think we'd be remiss not to mention, woo, Ric Flair in the Flair. early 90s. Oh, that was such a good match at the 92 Royal Rumble. But we'll oh, yes, later. yes. Uh, that is actually one of, I wrote down a couple of my favorite memories, but um, I always think of two things, the Royal Rumble with Ric Flair and how poor, poor uh, Heenan is like freaking out the entire time. You know, like, this isn't fair to Flair. He's one of the earliest ones out here. You know, he's, oh, he's I know. going off and, and, oh, God. But then by the end, he's celebrating there with them. And it was amazing. And um, But oh, another one I think of is Flair's first debut. And remember Heenan, like, there's, I think it's on YouTube, where Heenan, it's it's Ric Flair's debut. Mm-hmm. And Heenan's trying to get everything ready. The, he's, he's running backstage, you know, shouting out the camera guy like, hey, you, nice hat. Why don't you pull it over your face? Hey, you, who dresses you, the state? I mean, he's just like yelling at everybody backstage. Shut up. Ric Flair's going to be here. I need this place to be in tip-top shape. The real world champion's what he called him. Yeah, 
I know. So, you know, finally, it's so funny. Finally, after freaking out, stressing out, insulting everyone in the back room that he possibly can. And you can tell he's just making it up as he goes. Finally, Ric Flair comes down in his beautiful robe, and he presents, Heenan presents him as, you know, the greatest wrestler of all time has now joined the WF. And, oh, it's so, so good. It's good. Oh, man. You know, he, he made everyone look good. And I'm trying to think, who else did he manage in the in the 90s? He managed... Rick Rude? He did manage Rude. He managed Rude when he was the Intercontinental Champion. Yeah, and I don't think he liked working with Rick Rude all that much. It, I don't know, remember why. He, uh, I watched an interview he did, and he said that the reason that him and Rude didn't really get along was because Rude didn't think he needed him. That he didn't need him, uh, that he could get over on his own and get heat. And, you know, Bobby said, I told him that's fine, he said, but apparently Vince doesn't share that opinion so i'm i'm with yes. you until he says otherwise and uh he uh mr perfect mr he managed paul orndorff oh that's right i forgot all about that didn't he manage it wasn't he the manager for orndorff when they had the big tag match at wrestlemania one with the or was he uh, man- was he well i don't know was he managing bundy then I don't know if he was or not i know he was by two yeah i don't know i i i, I wouldn't be surprised I know he managed Stud during uh, Big John Stud during WrestleMania One because they had the fifteen thousand dollar Body Slam challenge. Him and Andre did. Oh, that's right. That's right. Because that's where Andre got the duffel bag full of money and started throwing it out to the crowd, and Heenan like sneaks behind him and grabs it out of his hand and runs off. <laughs> he leaves uh, Stud in the ring to get beat up, but he takes the money and runs off. Oh, that well, that's the kind of weasel he is. That's right. <laughs> Oh, man. So so let's just jump into favorite Heenan memories, man. I, I think you and I probably have a lot of the same ones, but l- you, you started off, Hosehead. What was one of your favorite Heenan moments? One of my favorite was probably the favorite, like, match-wise, was the 92 Rumble. Just the commentary. Oh, yeah. And the, hey, you, hey, stupid, give me a drink. <laughs> like, like, right in the middle of the match, and he's so wound up, and he's, you know, the, the, the spot that stands out to me is when it's uh, Piper and Jake the Snake and Ric Flair in the ring. And, you know, that's right there is a main event today, basically. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Ric Flair and uh, Jake the Snake are going at it. And Piper, like, kicks Jake's legs out from under him. And Flair puts the figure four on him. And Piper starts stomping on Jake the Snake while Flair's got the figure four. And (laughs) Heenan's like, it's not a skirt, it's a kilt. It's a kilt. Real men wear kilts. And then he turns around and he kicks Flair in the face. He goes, that no good, Piper. It's a skirt. It's not a kilt. It's a skirt. (laughs) Oh, gosh. I love it. I love it. You know, speaking of Piper, a little bit after that, remember... um, Oh, I can't remember what WrestleMania was, but it was a great Intercontinental uh, match uh, with Bret Hart and Roddy Piper. And, of course, you know, Piper's kind of a face at this point, and, of course, Bret Hart is definitely a face. And, uh, you know, at first, uh, Bobby Heenan's kind of pulling for Piper, does not like Bret Hart. And he's like, get the bell! Get the bell! You know what I always say? What the hell? Use the bell! <laughs> and, uh, and then Piper drops the bell. He refuses to use it. He's like, oh, this makes me sick! <laughs> yeah. and girl's like will you calm down <laughs> oh that was so good and you know the him and piper had a really good like rivalry on primetime wrestling yes oh i was hoping you bring up primetime 90 percent of my moments are from primetime yes so what it was was piper was it was around survivor series so it's like thanksgiving christmas time and piper had a match i think against uh rick rude's team mm-hmm 
And, you know, Heenan was managing Rude at the time. And so, you know, Piper and Rude have their match. Well, they keep Piper on prime time. And him and Bobby have a... Uh... <laughs> so great. They have a... Uh... Kind of like a quiz ball for wrestling with Gorilla asking them questions. Oh, yeah, I remember this. And, you know, whoever answered uh, two out of three questions correctly, you know, was the winner. So, you know, Piper gets the first one, then Bobby gets the second one. And the third one, I think it was where was WrestleMania 3 held at? And uh, Heenan buzzes in and he says, oh, that's easy. I know that. That was held in uh, Pontiac, Michigan at the Silver Dome. (laughs) Or Detroit, Michigan at the Silver Dome. And, you know... Gorilla says, ain't wrong, and Piper says, I believe it was held, you know, at Pontiac at the Silver Dome, not Detroit, and he gave it to Piper. <laughs> and <Bobby laughs> he goes off, and the the uh, the bet was that if Piper won, Heenan had to show up on the next primetime wrestling dressed up as Santa Claus. <laughs> oh my gosh, I forgot about him as Santa. And he was he was like a mean Santa. He didn't have any <laughs> gifts for the kids or anything. Yeah, did he like insult the kids? Yeah, he would. He was like... <laughs> You know, it's like, you know what you need for Christmas? You need a set of smaller ears. Get off my lap. <laughs> oh, well, speaking of insults, man, I love well, my number one, the one of the first ones I think of with primetime. I only wrote about four or five memories down, but, like, they're, they're big memories because they mm-hmm. kind of – there's different things that happen in each one. So the first one I wrote down was – do you, did you ever see the one where um, they're advertising No Holds Barred and they're yes. outside the movie theater? Yes. I love that one. Oh, my gosh. Bobby Heenan was on fire <laughs> on that was. one. Because, uh, you know, he's sitting there and all he wants to do is watch the movie and get away from Gorilla, right? Yeah. Well, Gorilla's like, no, you're not going anywhere. You're staying with me. And by the way, I'm sure we'll get into this. Gorilla and Bobby Heenan, greatest duo ever. Oh, yes. I, I agree. I, and I, lo- I loved... Okay, let me ask you this. Did you prefer those two over Jesse and Gorilla? Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah, it's close. It's, it's very close, close. But I, I'm with you. I think these two were the greatest commentary team of all time, in my opinion. And they, like, I could watch a show on just them. Like, Oh, yeah. Okay, like, for instance, um, in case you guys might not know, the whole premise of primetime wrestling, first of all, it, it was from, I think, the mid-'80s to, like, '93. Uh, was to basically showcase some house shows, showcase some promos, le- uh, advertise some pay per views coming up. It was kind of like almost a recap show, and yeah. in between each, in between each match, um, it would be Bobby Heenan and Gorilla, you know, talking about it or supposedly talking about it. I could cut out all the other stuff. I could cut out all the wrestling stuff and just oh, yeah. listen to them talk. They were so funny together. But so going back to No Holds Barred. You know, there's people walking by, and they're all, of course, they're all shaking Gorilla's hand, and they just kind of bypass Bobby and, and all that stuff. He's like, hey, get out of here. <laughs> so this, oh, I love it. This beautiful woman comes up to Bobby, and she goes, hey, uh, sir, could you usher me to my seat? You, you're thinking with Bobby, <laughs> thinking with Bobby, he'd be all over that, right, because she's a yeah. pretty woman? He's like, uh, <laughs> he goes, you know where your seat is? Right behind you. Scram. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, he's, like, uh, he's like, I don't work here. Besides, she's used to driving movies anyway. You can tell. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's just making it up as he goes. Uh, oh, God. And he's just, just insulting everyone that goes by. And, of course, Gorilla's being the straight-faced one. And Oh, gosh. that Guys, YouTube that. I'm pretty sure it's still on there. It's like a good 30 minutes of them just in between scenes of No Holds Barred. Just goofing off. Oh, my gosh. It's funny. The Rosati sisters on that one are great. <laughs> Yes! Don't they sit with them for a minute? 
Hey, uh, he goes, and look, the Rosati's are here. They're taking up rows 8, 12, and 13. <laughs> what a jerk. Oh, gosh. Or they like, bring the big party sub in, and he's like, that thing's not going to last three minutes in there. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of, um, speaking of, uh, the interesting characters like that that would be on primetime wrestling did, did you ever remember like the random phone calls from miss betty who yes. would be, uh, w- who was uh bobby's personal private secretary that would call on on air yes i remember miss betty <laughs> oh my gosh oh so funny he'd, he'd uh like there's one where he's he's like hey betty tell me the date for uh wrestlemania 4 and she goes um and he writes it down he's like oh okay all right thanks so much betty i'll talk to you later he writes it down, and then he tells Gorilla, do you know what WrestleMania 4's date is? And Gorilla's like, I do. He's like, okay, well, I'll go ahead and tell everybody anyway, because I'm the real star of the show. And it is 7-4-1987. And Gorilla just looks at him and goes, that's the 4th of July. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, that is not the correct information. Like, oh, Miss Betty. Oh, gosh. Yeah, so that was my second one. Phone calls to Miss Betty. Did you ever see the one where they went on the boat, where Heenan like pretended he was friends with these people that owned this big yacht? No, I oh don't think I've seen that gosh. one. Oh my gosh, he like you know, he's like, yes, well, I'm friends with so and so, and the the guy, the captain of the boat, is like, well, I understand that they're in Europe. He's like, well, they told me I could use the boat for the weekend, <laughs> and you know, they they get on the boat and. He calls Gorilla out to the boat to come with him, and there's these two girls in bikinis, you know, straight out of, like, 1987. No, they're, like, <laughs> fluorescent bikinis, and Bobby says something to the effect of, they're like, oh, is, is Rick Rude going to be here? He's like, yeah, Rick Rude's on his way, you know, he's in his boat getting ready to come over. Uh, they're like, oh, so you can, they said, and you say you can get us in movies? He's like, yeah, I can get you in movies, and Gorilla's like, what have you told those two young ladies? He said, well, what I've told those two bimbos, I mean, those two fine young ladies. <laughs> And it goes on like that. There's one scene where, like, the boat legitimately hits, like, some rough ocean water. And they get thrown around, and Gorilla gets thrown out of his seat. And it's like, oh my God. not playing. He's laughing. And Heenan gets up, and he goes, I'm getting out of here. And he falls over. Oh, I got to see that one. I have not seen that one. It's great. I'll, uh, I'll shoot oh. There is There's a YouTube channel that is nothing but the, the, prime, time? It, the prime time in between segments between the matches. Oh, boy, now that I'd like to see. Yeah, because, like, there's one, uh, speaking of Gorilla cracking up, there's one uh, primetime one where I think they're waiting for Jack Tunney to call for some reason. I can't remember why. And finally, it, I, I can't remember if it was somebody's birthday or something. There's a cake on the table. Oh, yeah. And Gorilla's like, oh, there's Jack Tunney on the phone. So he reaches over Bobby, pushes Bobby's head face first into the cake, and then he's like, yes, Jack. Oh, thank you so much for calling, Jack. I'll, I'll talk to you later. But... Bobby's selling the icing all over his face so much that Gorilla breaks character. He's laughing. He can't Uh-oh. He can't control it. Oh, gosh, those two together were so good. But I think one of my favorite ones with those two together, besides the no-holds-barred one, was, uh, oh, it's, um, did you ever see the one where they're scouting where Andre the Giant trains? Yes. In the woods? <laughs> and Gorilla leaves the banana peels. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny because uh, Bobby gives him some bananas, you know, to help him uh, keep energy. Uh, That has nothing to do with his name. Oh, it's so funny because there's one part in that that tickles me every time. And it just personifies both characters so well. Because you got them in the middle of the woods. Bobby swears he knows where they're going. But, of course, we all know that he doesn't. Yeah. And (laughs) Bobby's like, will you trust me? you got to trust me. I know exactly where Andre is if you'll just follow me. 
And he turns around and walks, and he trips over a stump. And then about a half second later, Gorilla goes, hey, watch it. Watch the stump over there. <laughs> like, after he already <laughs> tripped over it. Oh, it's just like, they were so good together. Golly. They, they really were. Bobby the Heenan was such a snake, but Gorilla <laughs> was so, I hope he gets the, he was quick on his feet, too, because he would insult Bobby. Oh, you yeah. Know? Bobby would insult the fans. He would insult Bobby. It was great, though, what those two could do together. Um, so what about you, man? You got another one? Have you ever seen the episode where Gorilla gets fed up and he leaves prime time and he goes fishing? No. And Bobby, Bobby goes, Bobby follows him. He's like, I, <laughs> like he's, he's, Bobby's running prime time wrestling and he pulls out this, you know, camera crew and he, he pretty much fired the good camera crew to, to save money <laughs> for himself. That sounds about right. And they come out and. They're like, where do you want? Where do you want to set up the camera, Bobby? He goes, that's Mister Heenan, and you can set it up right over there, you bunch of ham and eggers. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you wish you could actually just be Bobby Heenan and talk to people like that? Oh, I know, it was so good, and <laughs> like the whole time he's there, like he's announcing the the matches, and he's like, and we've got uh, Junkyard Dog against Bob Jones, and it was like a totally different match. <laughs> and they were doing it on purpose to show that he wasn't in control of the show. Oh, it was great. Ah, oh, it's great. It was so good. Well, uh, oh man, they're, they're, I, I can't remember if this is prime time, but it does seem like something prime time would do. Is uh, right around WrestleMania four or five. You know how both were in Atlantic City, and I'm from that area, so this was particularly funny to me. Uh, I can't remember why, but Bobby Heenan is pushing Gorilla around in like this little trolley on the boardwalk of yeah. Atlantic City. <laughs> I just, I don't know why that tickled me so much, but you know, here you got Bobby. You know the heel commentator pushing the the babyface uh, announcer around. It was it was just so funny to me, and I remember you know seeing trolleys like that all the time, and the tram cars <laughs> and on the boardwalks and stuff, and always being jealous because we had to walk like suckers. That's right. Well, you should have just got Bobby Heenan to push you around in a in a trolley. Oh yeah, oh yeah. One of the ones that I remember, and it was just like a small segment. He has on like a sweatshirt and a and a baseball cap. Heenan does, and he's on a stationary bike pedaling, and Gorilla comes by. And he's like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "Oh, I'm training." He's like, I've been training all day. And Gorilla's like, where's the little thing that shows you the mileage? And he, he goes, oh, it's broken. Don't worry about it. And he's like, this is not win anywhere. He's like, I'm <laughs> keeping track of He like looks at his watch. <laughs> yeah, he looks at his watch. He's like, I'm keeping track of it in my mind. <laughs> oh, guys. But, guys, they were comedic gold. And then, of course, they did a lot of uh, commentary for um, the pay-per-views as well. I mean, this, these two were such a wonderful tandem. I mean... They they were just perfect together, uh, and they you, really I, were. And I honestly think that they were the greatest of all time. I don't think anyone's even come close to that. And that's no disrespect to the other commentators, but to get two guys on their game that get each other's gimmicks, and yet they both somehow look better because of each other. That is a special thing. And those two, Gorilla and Heenan, they had that. They had that for years. And then you know. Uh, I hesitate to even bring this up because uh, Heenan has a whole chapter dedicated to his run in WCW. But before we get to that, I just want to read something in his book that I thought was really cool. Bobby Heenan, as you could probably guess, is not a very touchy-feely man. But he is a prideful man. And there's a couple things I notice in the book that really make me respect him even more. One is... Um, oh, where was it? Where was it? Okay, so, so this is uh, the introduction of the book. Um, and it, his daughter is writing this part here, and she says, The one normalcy which made me love him even more was 
the care he showed for his mother and grandmother. Yes. He had experienced a rough upbringing, but was still able still able to provide for the two most important people in his life. To me, this was a man. That's either his his wife or his daughter writing that. So that says a lot about him as a person. But also, right at the tail end of his WF days, so I'm guessing probably, what do you think, about 93, 94? Yep, he was, I think he was there officially until like the end of 93, and then he okay. started in WCW like the first half of the year in 94. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, right before he left, uh, he actually writes about his last day for the WF and his last moments with Gorilla Monsoon. And I, I, I had to read this because they are such an iconic pair, and I think this is so perfect, the, the way they had parted ways. You know, this was an excellent closure here. This is the evening after Bobby Heenan's last day at the WWF, or the, the evening of his last day. It says, um, We quietly stood in the elevator, which took us to the floor where our rooms were. I turned to him, meaning Gorilla, and said, Well, nine years together. Good luck, partner. I shook his hand. He went his way. I went mine. I got into my room. There was a big basket of fruit in there. All bananas. <laughs> I, <laughs> I called Gorilla. I said, hey, I have some bananas over here. You want them? He came down the hall, and I gave him his favorite fruit. We must have hugged and cried for an hour. That was it. That was the last time they really spent time together, I guess, in, uh, in person. You know, before, of course, Gorilla would pass away much, much sooner than Bobby Heenan did. Uh, but boy, just what an amazing tandem. And these aren't touchy-feely guys, but at that moment, spending that much time together, knowing that, in a way, you kind of made history in, in professional wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, it just seems like a fitting end, especially with the bananas. Yeah, the grill and his <laughs> bananas. <laughs> uh, so I just love that. I love that. And then, you know, the WW, or WCW era, Bobby Heenan tried. He, he recounts in his book, I'm just summarizing here, that he tried to, to really get the, uh, the Heenan gimmick over and, and to really help with creative, too, you know, with, with storylines mm-hmm. and helping getting other people over because that's the kind of guy Bobby Heenan was as a professional wrestling manager and commentator. He, he wanted to get other people over. And he recounts something along the lines of Eric Bischoff said, Hey, Bobby, stick to commentating. We got this. And Bobby just says, you know what? From that moment on, I never really put in any more creative input. I just did my job and went home and didn't even care about it. He almost phoned it in. Yeah. That takes a lot of guts for a guy to say. But You can tell that, too, though. You know, you can tell WCW meaning is miles kind of just way different than than wwf heenan yeah because he you know he honestly just looked at it as a paycheck at that point uh because he tried he said honestly i did care i wanted to improve wcw but no one wanted to listen to me and uh that's when i said all right if they're not going to care then i'm not going to care and that's kind of was his whole outlook on wcw during his run Mm -hmm. and for some reason he did not like tony shivani i don't know why um i think he mentions it more in his book but i can't remember why uh, but they just didn't get along, you know. And I think sometimes, if you can't like the person you work with, the chemistry it's, is not going to be not going to be there. And he he's done a couple of interviews that I've watched about the whole Tony Schiavone thing, and he said one of the reasons was, and he said this was true for everybody in WCW at the time, was nobody knew what was going on. 
like. Yeah. He yeah. said, you know, communication was horrible. He said, and they would tell Tony, you know, through the headset during the commercial breaks, you know, this is what's going to happen next. And he said, you know, him and Mike Tanay during the Monday Nitros would say, you know, hey, Tony, you know, what's going on, man? And Tony would say, it's all right. Don't worry about it. We've got it. And he said, you know, Tony was kind of one of those guys that was knowledge is power, and he was going to withhold knowledge uh, from you to have all the power. I see. I see. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's maybe that's why Bobby didn't care for him. But uh, he does not have a lot of great things to say about WCW. No. And then when they invited him back for one, I think it was either WrestleMania or, or one of the Royal Rumbles. Do you remember what that was in the WF? That was the – and, you know, I watched this match the other day. It was uh, – I think it was WrestleMania 17, and they had the gimmick Battle Royal. That's it, yes. Because yes. it was – Mean Gene and him were the two commentators on it. Right, and it would – of course, we we all know it probably would have been Gorilla, but Gorilla at this time had passed away. Mm-hmm. So, you know, another man that he really respected was Gene Okerlund, who was another very, very witty, intelligent, funny Lord. guy. Yes. Mean Gene, like, not in wrestling is hilarious. Oh, he's hilarious. <laughs> he's a funny man. Like, he's a guy I would love to hang out with. <laughs> I know. He would be cool to just, like, go play golf with or something. Yes, I know. He made, he and Piper uh, made, uh, what is it, Legend's House for me? Because he was so, yeah. he was such a, like, a creepy old man. Like, he's like, hello, Ashley. <laughs> you know? he just, How he are you today? Such, I know. He was such a snake, but I think that was part of his character. You know, he, he had... I think that was phoned in. He had to do that. But uh, he was just brilliant, brilliant in what he did, too. And those two played off each other so well. And he says in the book that, well, boy, when I came back to WWF after all those years, it was like it was like going back to the big leagues again. You know, he yeah. said he said it was WCW was like a beer league baseball. And now I had just gone back to the major leagues. You know, it's it, just a it, he got a wonderful reception back. Uh and then the book kind of ends with him. Now, again, this was written in, I think, 2001 or 2002. The book ends with him just being diagnosed with throat cancer. So this is kind of a little piece of history with Bobby Heenan here. I mean, eventually, what, 16 years later, it would end up killing him. But, yeah. uh, but you know, at this point in time, it's just now taking effect. And I think there was something he said pretty powerful at the end of the book. I just wanted to share real quick. Oh, yeah, like in the last chapter, he just kind of talks about all the people that, that had reached out to him, you know. Because honestly, and, and he makes a good point in this book. He says, you know, in a time of crisis, you really find out who your friends are. And boy, that is the truth. He talks about all the people that reached out when he, when he first got diagnosed. And, uh, you know, he says in this one line, it says, it always seems that it's the people you would never expect who come around and do something like that, which, which he meant calling or, or, or sending a letter in. Like a lot of his old buddies from AWA had called him. People he hadn't talked to in 20 years called him. Uh, one of his old managers or um, uh, promoters, Vern Gagne, I think, from AWA, came and yep. saw him, and you know they shared a moment together. Uh, he says, last two paragraphs of the book, I'm not going to retire. In fact, I'm looking forward to doing personal appearances, and I may, I may even start a singing career. The WCW could not shut me up. I'm sure as heck not going to let cancer do it. Just remember, the brain has not left the building yet, and he didn't lose his hair, but he was able to grab a couple of wallets and a few cases of Insure. And that's how it ends. <laughs> uh, so, you know, perfect. I mean, he had a sense of humor till the very end. Like, I, even when he had his jaw removed, I saw, like, this one convention he was making an appearance at, and this is maybe a year ago. He just looks at the camera and shoots at a bird. I'm like, that's typical yep. Bobby Heenan. That's, that's Heenan. <laughs> He was even in character, you know, toward the very end. I mean, just 
just a wonderful guy, man. So, uh, so Hoser, any any passing things? Or, you know, any concluding things you want to say about Bobby Keenan, man? Anything uh, that's on your mind? I just that he is one of the first. Like when I first started watching wrestling, some of my first memories are you know turning into the USA Network and listening to him and Gorilla, you know, on primetime toward the end of the show. That was, that kind of is what got me hooked. And the fact, you know, that I absolutely hated his guts as a kid. I'm like, oh, he's so bad. He's such a bad guy. I hate him. And then, you know, I would laugh when they would do the weasel suit or when he got yeah. kicked out of the building on Monday Night Raw and he tried to get back in, like, under all these disguises. <laughs> oh, I love it. I mean, you know, he's a guy that can make you laugh. So much, and mm-hmm. and honestly, and this this is gonna sound super cheesy, but it is the honest God's truth. I I look up to Bobby and Gorilla, and they're a kind of an inspiration for me doing a podcast. I you know it sounds silly. No, dude, that, I'm the same way. Like I try my best to be as much You're like Bobby Heaney on Bob Bobby Bobby Bobby, Bobby, Bobby Heaney on the show. <laughs> Boy, I had a lot of drinks, eh? Uh, you know. <laughs> Yep, it's only ten forty three in the morning. Hey, I was slow say, down. I was what do you want? Say, if you lived at my house, you'd know why. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, but you're right. I, I think I think our, our characters, you know, in, in, in a way, are a cheap Kmart version of uh, Gorilla and Bobby. <laughs> oh, come on, now, don't don't disgrace Kmart like that. I'm sorry, I didn't mean that. I didn't mean <laughs> They're that. having yeah. a hard time. Dang it. <laughs> So, yeah, man, I mean, I, honestly, I look up to both of them, and that is, like, the perfect way to play off of. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm just very thankful that I was able to witness a lot of this, a lot of the stuff oh, that I he know. did. Um, it, it was phenomenal. And I just want to read one last thing. This is actually at the beginning of his book, but somehow, you know, after he's passed, I think, I think this is fitting for, for the end of this episode. It says, I have buried my mother and grandmother, raised my daughter, and fed my family, all with the money I made from the fans. So, it's time to screw them. <laughs> I want to thank you, people. Thank you very much for hating me. I love you all. God bless our memories, and God bless America. And remember, a friend in need is a pest. Bobby the Brain Heenan. <laughs> that's perfect, that's man. That's, that's how you close a show. That's how yep. you close a career. <laughs> yep. So, Bobby, we... we we hope that you're commentating up there in heaven with Gorilla. Hopefully, you're making the good Lord laugh. <laughs> well, I told and, you. Uh, I told you him and Gorilla are calling the uh, Rick Rude and Mr. Perfect versus Macho Man and Piper match right now. Oh, yeah. Oh, now that I can't wait to see. But not too soon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe I'll have to tape it and you know check it out a little bit later on. I'll DVR it. <laughs> well, all right, Hoser. Well, uh, well, listen, man. Do you have anything else you want to say before we close this thing? Just that, you know, he... he Heenan, if you if you've never watched any of his work and you've got the WWE yeah. Network, just type his name into the search. I did that yesterday. There's a real good you know hour and fifteen minute documentary on his life, um, leading up to the point where he got throat cancer. It was right before his book came out. Actually, it was like a companion piece to the book. I found. Oh, out. I know that, huh? Yeah, I watched it on your account yesterday. It was great. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Oh yeah, it was great. Thanks for thanks for letting me do that. Oh, but there's a lot hey, of, no problem. A lot of Heenan stuff on there that you can watch. Uh, and again, I'll uh, I'll pull that link up to that YouTube site that just has the best parts of primetime uh, wrestling, the, the in between parts, and we'll we'll put that. Uh, I'll shoot that over to you. I think I actually shot that over to you, Rob. It's uh, the name of the channel. If you're looking for it, is oh yeah, uh, I got it. Monsoon Classic. They've got like hundreds of just videos of him and Bobby uh, Heenan just hanging out, 
you know, calling matches and things like that. Uh, that see, I could get lost in that for hours. That sounds good, man. It's got the whole uh, No Holds Bar episode. It's like 40 minutes. Oh, I love that. Okay, that's you where, sold me. Uh, where uh, Sensational Sherry shows up. I forgot about her. Yeah, yeah right. She's like, come on, baby, let's go in here in this dark room. And Demon's <laughs> like, you got it, toots, let's go. <laughs> yeah, they would be a perfect, they would They would have been perfect for each other. That's what Grill said. He goes, well, there goes Heckle and Jekyll, um, <laughs> Scary Sherry and Bobby the Brain. <laughs> oh, I love it, man. Uh, yeah, all I can say is, Bobby, you are the best, man. You are. And, uh what a what a fan I am and will always be. And guys, go check out his stuff because it is pure gold. He and Gorilla were the best. They really. But uh, Hoser, I'm pretty full off these wings, man. So uh, so what do you say we get out of here and uh, call it a day, eh? Let's do it. All right, well, guys, it, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for being in the peaks and valleys. Uh, yeah. You know, listening to our show, we, we we've we've made comeback after comeback after comeback. But you know what? Just when you think you all are out. We pull you back in. Or is it, is it the other way around? Just uh, because we think we're out, you pull us back in? I don't know. It works both ways. It's two ways. Sure, through. sure, sure. Bottom line is, Lane and I, we're never going to quit this thing. Nah. We'll be doing this to we're old man, and no one wants to hear us anymore. We, we might um, take extended we, breaks, but we're, we're going we're gonna to try to do it. And, you know, I'm going to go on an emotional rant here and say that, you know, the last time that we did, like, super shows and whatnot, I'm going to take the blame for that because... Well, now hear me out, hear me out. So, you know, we were trying to uh, to get the guys from Doom on here, uh, Romero, and that didn't that didn't work out. That he had some scheduling conflicts, he couldn't do the show, and honestly, I got really depressed about that. Not not at the point where it was like a clinical depression, but just kind of down about the whole podcasting thing. And I just, I don't know, I just kind of disappeared, like. I'm like, well, you know, I've let everybody down. I didn't get the no. interview that we wanted to get. You know, I'm just, you know, I'm just going to find something else to occupy my time with. And I, I tried that. You know, I was on Nick Stevens' show, Genesis Gems. You know, I thought, well, maybe I can just do, you know, some spots on there. I thought maybe that'll kind of satiate the the fire that I've got for doing this. And it, it did for a little bit. And then, you know, I had to. I change jobs and whatnot, and my work schedule kind of keeps me on and off Genesis Gyms when it feels like it, basically. Um, but most of the time, I am working when they have to do that show, and I have to get up at 4 a.m., so I, I can't yeah. stay up late and do it like I'd like to. So I just kind of, I don't know, I just kind of got a disdainful taste of podcast and just didn't really do anything on Facebook, didn't really say anything, just kind of dropped out of the public eye because I felt that I had dropped the ball, so to say. And so, you know, for that, I'm sorry. You know, I feel kind of like I dropped the ball. Like I let, I mean, I did have life get in the way and that happens with everything. But even, even during the free time, like I just didn't, I had the desire and the want. I just didn't, I just wasn't mentally there to do it. So I'm kind of glad that you, uh, you approached me about trying to bring it back because that kind of, that kind of relit the fire, so to say. I mean, the, the fuel was there. The fire just, I don't know. Hey, the fire was still there. You just, just needed to rekindle it. That's right. I needed somebody to light the match. But, you know, going back to what you said, man, man, it's understandable, man. We, We all get that way. It's, it's one of those things. Everyone gets tired, you know, and burn out after a while, but something, if you truly love something, It'll always bring you back, you know. And and here we are, you know. We we this is the first show we ever did, and here we are. We're still doing it, 
we we still love it. You know, we're not doing it to be popular. We're not doing it to make money. Certainly oh, not. No. <laughs> we're do, we're doing it because we just love it. And and I I know you love it. I love doing the show because I laugh more, you know, on this show than I probably laugh all week combined. It's just it's just a good time to reminisce, to goof off, to forget the real world for a minute and just talk about stupid stuff that probably doesn't matter. And and we thank you all so much for those of you who've stuck with us because it's fun to do this with, uh, you know, just just as best friends, and we would probably do this if no one was listening. But it's even more fun when we got people chiming in and, and uh, chiming along. So, guys, we love you. We'll, we will be back again for another episode. Mm-hmm. It's We're in a, this awkward transition phase right now because I'm switching feeds. I'm trying to apply to iTunes again. It's a mess. And I'm just now getting the free time to start really specifically doing all that stuff. But we're also going to be releasing our classic episodes um, beforehand. And then releasing the new episodes right after that. Yay! Landon and I... Yay! I know! It's Boy, sometimes I listen to some of those classic episodes. I'm like, oh, I sounded awful. Even worse than That's kind of like me. I'm like, <laughs> oh my gosh, why did people listen to this? <laughs> oh, no kidding. But but in the weird way, I, I enjoy listening to them because I remember every single one of them. And I remember what I was thinking then. And I remember... Some, sometimes, sometimes I forget certain things that we did in those episodes, like the skits. And I listen to them again, I'm like, oh, that was funny. Or, oh, I should have edited that better. Nah. But regardless, it's it's fun to go back and listen. And it's been a wonderful journey. And uh, it's good to be back. And we love you guys. So on that note, I'll get you all the links on the next episode, I promise. We're winging it right now. Yep. Yep. Uh, <laughs> uh, but guys, on behalf of my good friend Landon and myself, we wish you all a very good day and good gaming. And remember... That a friend in need is a pest. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, everybody. Oh, hang on, host head. My wife is ringing the bell, so Uh I might be in trouble. You're in trouble. trouble. That Rob, he's a host head. Getting in trouble. Dog, dog barking. While Rob's on, I'm gonna sing. I'm gonna show you my Batman. My Batman. I've got a Batman. It's a really big Batman. Gonna show you my Batman. It's a Batman. Gonna show you my Batman. Well, he's going to set up office in the bathroom, so uh, I'll try to entertain you some more. Let's see. Some good stories I could tell. There was this one time back in high school, and I don't know if we've ever talked about this. Rob and uh, my cousin and I, we uh, we loaded up in the in the Merc Mobile, which was a an old, well, it wasn't old then. It was a Honda Accord. And we loaded up and went a couple of towns over to the Burger King and the Wendy's and the McDonald's. And Rob, you know, being the the sly boots that he is, walks through the drive-thru and orders a Burger King crown at Burger King. So this just sets up the, the, the rest of the night. 
So we uh, we get the crown. You know, they're they're pretty good sports about it. And we go and we drive to, uh, to Wendy's, and you know we ask them if they have any Big Macs there. And of course, you know they get all angry about it. And Rob's like, "Well, I'd be willing to pay a little bit more for a Big Mac." And he says, "You know, I've got the money. I mean, let me pull around and I'll give you some extra if you'll get me a Big Mac." So we pull around and. He hands him the crown. He's like, you know, you can keep the change. He hands him the Burger King crown. And, you know, we're all busting out laughing and whatnot. And uh, So we uh, we end up going to, like, a local Walmart with the crowns on. And, you know, we're all acting royal and whatnot. And, you know, we're, we're like 16, 17-year-old punks at this time. And uh, we go into the Walmart. And uh, there's this little kid at a register buying, like, a Ninja Turtle or something. <laughs> and Rob's like, Psst. Hey, kid, come here. And the kid's like, me? He says, yeah, you, come here. So the little kid walks over, and Rob's got the Burger King crown on. He looks at the kid, and he goes, hey, kid, Burger King or McDonald's? And he's, like, pointing at the crown. And the little kid's like, ah, I like McDonald's. And he goes, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I was just telling I stories. I just heard the tail end of that. <laughs> I was sorry about that, Jose. Uh, but, well, yeah, but that's a true story. I, one of my... <laughs> See, these were the things we did. I don't don't know why we did these things, it was, but it was fun. It was it was fun. It was good times, and it was good, clean fun. I don't remember us doing anything crazy. Yeah, we never got in trouble. <laughs> I mean, we we were mischievous, but we never got in trouble. No, no, I, you know we, we we try to be good guys. You know, and you know those trips were where the uh, the moniker that we go by that my wife and my mother in law know now. Me and you and Lynn Prince are the three crab leg masters, like kung fu masters. <laughs> like this is no joke. Like when we go eat crab legs, I can do like two pops, get all the meat out of the leg, and eat it. And they're like, "How do you do that?" And I'm like, "Many years of training." I said, "But there are two others who are just as strong as I am." Yes, we have the touch. We have the power. We've got the power. The touch. <laughs> Yeah, so me and you and Lynn are like the three ancient kung fu masters that sit on the mountain and teach people how to break crab legs now. We call it crab Crab fu. And we kind of do like nunchuck skills with the crab cracker. <laughs> until we get until one of us gets hit in the it's eye, like, then we then we kick him <laughs> You'd be proud of me. I didn't tell you this. Last year well, it was about a year ago this week actually, when we went to uh to Disney, we stopped at a place that had all you could eat crab legs and they brought them out by the bucket. Ooh. I ate three and a half buckets full. Did you? Yeah. Wow, I am proud of you. That's Somebody amazing. Like, do you want more? And I'm like, yeah, keep bringing them. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, do I look like I'm full? It's keep, Bring them. <laughs> keep bringing the butter, too. <laughs> That's awesome, man. That's awesome. I, lo- I love it. Gosh, I've not had crab meat in a long time. Uh, I, I need to get... I need. Yeah, because we went to Joe's Crab Shack for my mom's birthday, but I think I got, like, the hot wings, which were surprisingly good. Huh. Yeah, I, I was kind of like, eh, I'm going to try to be cheap today because I can afford, like, a big bowl of crab legs. So yeah. I was like, yeah, I'll, do, I'll do the appetizer wings. Yeah. And they were good. Expensive. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Can't afford it, eh? Well, we've got another wing place to go, Joe's Crab Shack. I know. Their, their wings are surprisingly good, yeah. They were crispy like O'Malley's wings and like Stan's. Uh, I think Stan's is just the extra cockroach meat. <laughs> The extra crunch, yep. That extra crunch is the cockroach. <laughs> all right, man. Well, uh, so back to business. Yes, yeah. So I'll save all that for the blooper reel. We already got some great material. 
but uh, but yeah, going back to to um, Bobby the Brain, man. Like, how did you feel like when you when you first heard the news, man? <laughs> you know, it's funny. It's a fictitious place, but it feels like we are returning. <laughs> it's kind of like we're going back to Cheers. Yeah, we're going to back, back to O'Malley's for the first time in a while. Where everybody knows your name. <laughs> do, 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 do. And they're never glad you came. 